This show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. If you've been listening for any amount of time to this show, you will know that my whole idea about culture and the environment that our young people get to learn in is incredibly important above and beyond the curriculum, which is then on top of that in in my view. Now, today I'm going to be chatting to Hans Apple, and he's worked as a counsellor in the Richmond School District for the past 19 years and at Enterprise Middle School since it opened. And he's passionate about school culture, servant leadership and kindness, to the point where he's also the author of a book called Award-Winning Culture. And we have a fascinating conversation about how the culture within the schools that he's worked at have really grown and how they've been very intentional about creating an environment for every child to thrive and and exactly how they've put that together. So it's a really fascinating conversation, which I think is going to have so much value for so many of you. And I also wanted to remind you that the Executive Function Online Summit for Compassionate and Proactive Parents, hosted by Seth Perler, is coming up August the 21st, 22nd and 23rd. Now, if you didn't catch the bonus episode last week or you want to find out more information, please go and visit educationonfire.com forward slash blog. And there there's a direct affiliate link of mine which takes you through. You can sign up absolutely free and it gives you details of the whole event. And I think this is such an important thing and it's a real heart-centered three-day journey with over 20 executive function experts who, who really get your uniquely wired child so i hope you sign up for that and it should be a fantastic event but today's episode is with hans apple talking all about award-winning culture within your school hans thank you so much for joining us today i just wanted to start with this fantastic quote that you've got on your website which is We believe that education at its highest level is about inspiring others to discover and develop their joy. Where did that come from? And and tell us a little bit about that. I love that you led with that quote because that quote really speaks to my why. And I think so often when we meet new people and, and introduce ourselves, we focus on our what. And I really think our why informs our what. So thank you for leading with that quote. You know, I I think that's what it's all about, right? Like living out your why understanding your own unique strengths and passions and aligning those to some deeper meaning, which is purpose, right? I think when we take the time to intentionally craft an award-winning culture, we provide our students with the opportunity to pursue joy. Now, the reality is there's so many barriers to joy, and I, I understand those on a deeply personal level. I actually grew up, I was your classic what we'd call an ACEs uh, child. Uh, So child of divorce, abusive home. Uh, So for me, school really became my safe haven. It was my place I could go, I could be age appropriate, I didn't have to worry about solving complicated adult emotional problems. I could just be a kid. And so my teachers, my coaches, my friends, they really became like family to me. And the interesting thing, you and I were talking a little bit earlier about my wife who's in education as well, She's Jennifer's actually a fourth generation educator. So when I met her, I immediately got kind of roped into this like family atmosphere of, um, you know, serving others and and and, uh, working with kids. And so I started to shift uh, towards, you know, education and school counseling specifically 
in college and I've spent basically the last 19 years working as a middle school counselor. Uh, I love that age. They're crazy kids, 12, 13, 14 year olds. There's so much going on with them. And I feel blessed. I get an opportunity to work with my wife every day uh, at that school. And uh, kind of over the years, we realized that some of the things that we were doing regarding school culture and climate were different than what was happening in other schools. And so we started having people, um, you know, district leaders and even program developers reach out to us, uh, specifically myself as the counselor and Jen, who was the leadership teacher at our school. They reached out to us to find out what is the secret sauce, like what is going on that's so different at Enterprise. And that really forced Jen and I to sort of do a deep dive and, and try to uncover you know, what, what was happening that was unique, uh, in our, in our building. Cause I think what happens in schools and maybe just in life is we just kind of do our thing and we don't stop and really reflect about, you know, what's going on and why are we doing it this way? And is there any intentionality to what we're doing? And we, so we started speaking and blogging and eventually, you know, creating a podcast and that all led to us working now uh, with, you know, teachers and educators and, and districts all over um, the, the world at this point and, you know, trying to help them to create these joy-filled learning environments. So that quote that's on my website, it really speaks to what we're all about. You know, how can we infuse joy back into our schools? I love it because I, I often talk by saying, you know, children are born they're just so enthusiastic about life they they grow and they learn so organically there's nothing to do with them you just have to give them an environment to thrive <laughs> and then you start to enter the school system and then it's all about telling them and teaching them and yes. controlling them and all of that kind of thing so i'm really interested about how that's different and, and what those um what those solutions or what those ideas were that made a difference in your situation so, yeah, we really came back to these three big pillars. So character, excellence, and community. Character being, will you do the right thing? Excellence being, will you do your very best? And community being, what will you do for others today? Those ended up being kind of what we call our house rules, right? I think a lot of times in schools, we think about rules as like, you know, keep your hands and feet to yourself and things like that. But we were really wanted to get broader with our rules so that they could apply to students, to staff, to our entire community. And so those three things really became kind of the pillar um, of everything else that we were doing. And you kind of spoke to it there. You know, it's almost like they show up to us this way, right? And then we sort of educate that out of them, <laughs> right? We, we, we start, you know, focusing on things like compliance, right? And really, you know, infusing voice and choice and autonomy and influence right into what they're doing would be the more appropriate, you know, solution. So I'll give you one, one, uh, example. We were noticing that at the middle school level, there's, uh, issues with lunchtime behavior, you know, students making a mess or just not respecting, uh, the space and what they're doing in there. So what we did for years was apply more rules, right? More supervision, more rules, trying to, like enforce them to doing the right thing. And there were certainly kids that followed the rules. And then there were some kids that, you know, blew off the rules and they didn't want to participate in, in doing what was the right thing to do. What we noticed is 
we saw a really huge difference when we got super intentional about teaching the kids about the custodian's job, right? And so we, we ended up having about 25 student leaders take on what it felt like to do our custodian's uh, job for that hour, like during lunchtime. And at the end, they, they had time to reflect and like kind of learn, what did they learn and, and what did they take away from this you know, experience? Well, one of the big takeaways is it took us 25 students to do this one adult's job, which is simply cleaning the cafeteria, right? Every day for an hour. They were exhausted. They were worn out. They, during that time, they ended up, you know, getting to meet him and really like learn his name and, you know, what he's about and his family really make a personal connection. Well, the thing that we noticed is when that happens, when we start empathizing with somebody, when we start having that, like, you know, that, that, uh, connection and, and, an opportunity to show kindness towards somebody, we suddenly don't want to make their job any harder. So the behavior changed almost overnight in our comments. It was like, okay, you know, we see this person as a human being now and, and we have this connection. So this is all of our cafeteria. We need to make sure it's, it's clean. The cool part when you start empowering student leaders like that is they start generalizing it to other areas. Right. So it, it suddenly wasn't just about the, the commons, our cafeteria. It was it's the same experience in the locker room. It's the same experience over here in the library. So suddenly they have ownership over their school. What I really love about that is the, the sense that you don't go down that path of it's just their age. It just is. It just is that it's that sense of. It might be when you're not thinking about it or when you don't understand the being empathetic, like say, or the understanding of who these people are that are working within the school. But by showing them an understanding, I love the fact that it changed almost overnight. And it's the sort of thing I've been talking about for a while now is the fact that it's that kind of showing, that kind of learning together that makes a massive difference. And, and yes, you know, especially as you start to hit the teenage years, you've got bodies changing and brain chemicals and all of that kind of thing. But I think that's even more important then to start to have that real person-to-person connection so that you grow into this. Yes, everything's changing, but you have some control, even if it's not your immediate reaction, to kind of really understand how you then want to show up beyond that. Oh, I, I totally agree. And you're really speaking to what I call experiential learning, right? Which is doing and then reflecting on the doing. And I think so often we talk at kids, right? We tell them, be nice, you know, do this, do that. But we don't actually put them in a situation where they can experience it for themselves. Because I'll, I'll tell you what, and you know, as an adult, when you do an act of kindness for somebody, it feels good. Like selfishly, you feel good doing it. And so when kids have that opportunity to make those connections deeply at 12, 13, 14, whatever, oh, it just changes their whole life. And I think I think that understanding that even teachers, anybody that works within the school environment are human beings and understanding a bit about their background, you know, the sorts of relationships that you have, even though there's a certain amount of respect and there's the generation in terms of the age difference and all of that, being aware of all of that, but knowing that they are somebody's father or mother mm-hmm. or sister or brother. And like you say, the fact is then, well, why would I want to make their job harder? Why do I want to... 
well for a start i'm even considering that i want to do something different to help them let alone not even thinking about it to begin with which i think is kind of often the case isn't it? it's not that people don't they, they want to make a mess or they don't care it's the fact they haven't even thought about it oh exactly yeah they're they're you know it, it's kind of that that idea of being mindful of the moment right you, you know being where your feet are and really being in that moment. Like right now I'm talking to you, I'm fully, you know, committed to this moment. Like the phone is away, like all distractions are away. What if we taught kids to really be in the moment that way? Um, I'll I'll just take it a step further with the example from our custodian in the lunchroom. Probably a month later, we were looking for a way to do something nice, uh, you know, and kind for our custodian. Well, what the students realized is he's actually gluten free, so he doesn't eat, you know, certain things, but they wanted to, to create something for him that was like a special treat. So they ended up putting the intentionality of we're not, we're not just going to throw out something, you know, that we think he's going to like because most people like this food item. We're going to actually tailor this specific to his dietary needs. Well, you can imagine the reaction that he feels now that a group of students are willing to go to such lengths to make sure that I'm getting this, this act of kindness. I think sometimes, you know, we get stuck on things like random acts of kindness, which, which are good, but I think we can be even more intentional with what we're doing there. And so I, I, I know it meant the world to him when they did that, just that little bit, uh, you know, of, okay, we're going to, we're going to make sure that we get something there that, that he really loves to eat and, and that he can eat based on his dietary needs and you obviously sort of when people were starting to ask you about it and you sort of did that sort of deep dive to work out what these differences were but do you know where the culture started from was it very organic was it a group of people that really came together with the same sort of values what what's the background of that it's a great question um the culture maybe 10 years ago at our school was was awful mark it, it was we we had i i'll I'll never forget one spring we had a number of like fights and altercations and just behavior issues and things like that. And it was really punctuated by this one spring uh, day that was in a science classroom. We had uh, a boy and a girl that got into an altercation. They were fighting over like a group project, how to do it. And the boy lunged at the girl um, and really just started to try to like choke her. Right. And, and it was a dangerous situation. Uh, the teacher and a couple other students had to pull the student off. You know, all of the office staff, the principals, administration, counselors were called in to kind of deal with the aftermath. And as you can imagine, it was brutal. The boy was expelled. The teacher, the other student, all the rest of the class were traumatized. Um, you know, find, finding words to comfort people in that situation was completely overwhelming to be honest with you. So I spent, I spent the rest of that spring. It was probably another month and a half of school in meetings, like just uncomfortable meetings where, you know, it was, how are you going to keep my son or daughter safe at your school? You know, like really just like uncomfortable setting, uh, you know, difficult questions. There was a lot of like personal shame and guilt that I had that I didn't like work with this young man in a more proactive way. But there was a couple of interesting takeaways. Number one, 
this wasn't a situation where the boy and the girl weren't friends. Like they, they didn't hate each other for years and finally snapped. Like by all accounts, they were even best friends. So that was a weird deal. Like the other thing is, you know, this was not a brand new teacher. Like this teacher had good classroom management skills. She was very relationship focused. So it wasn't like, you know, she wasn't doing her job. She absolutely was doing everything she should be doing. But what I realized is it's really character development and social emotional learning. That's a school wide community wide thing. Like that can't be just a one person job. And so as much guilt as I had that spring, I started to kind of do a mind shift over the summer and realized, okay, this has got to be more than just me trying to, to, you know, support, uh, students like this is emotional regulation and, and, you know, um, ways that, that they need specific skill in. And so that's when we started pivoting towards, uh, bringing in an SEL character specific program where we could, we could literally every week spend time teaching, you know, things like kindness and empathy and, you know, how to shake somebody's hand and just, just like all of those like basic things that we take for granted. Like we, we, you know, did a deep dive in, in into intentionally teaching that. So we kind of moved away from, you know, the reactive, we were a reactive school before that to becoming a proactive I love the fact that it kind of the the intentionality that you described there because of the situation then just spirals into the proactivity of the entire school, not just because you sort of set that emotion, but it just sort of generates that whole environment, doesn't it? And and how long do you think from sort of starting that program and that idea before you kind of felt like it was completely embedded across the school? That's a good question. You know, I think there's a couple of different, there's probably two shifts that happened. There was that shift that I described where we went from the proactive or the reactive to the proactive, but then it was another couple of years before we really figured out this has got to be more than just a lesson on a Friday in a, in a particular classroom. So that's really when we started waking up to the idea of intentionality, you know? So how does character development, how does social, emotional well-being and learning how does that get spread across everything we do? So, I mean, now it's, it's not just a lesson that we do in a particular class. It's part of our morning announcements. It's part of our events that we do. It's part of our hiring process when we bring in new staff. It's part of, you know, assemblies that we put on. Like everything that happens now is so intentional back to these big ideas, right? And so, so we're kind of, we're always operating under that brand of we want uh, kindness to be normal at enterprise middle school. And so if we, if we kind of operate in that lens, then everything else that we do is, is sort of filtered through that. And was it kind of the, the most sort of senior people in the school that enabled that to happen? Cause like you say, I, I'm really interested because sometimes you see this in pockets of, areas in school like you say or the odd class or the odd idea but in order for it to really be embraced by everyone I assume it needs to be you know the principals the headmasters you know that whole senior leadership team to be completely on board for it then to filter through that everyone feels like yes this is now what we're all doing collectively yeah so in my book award-winning culture I, I actually write a whole chapter on exactly what you're talking about you know how do you how do you implement something like this in its most, um, 
you know, impactful way. And it really starts with time. You know, my advice to schools and school leaders now is to take one whole year and just just get the common language, the training, you know, the the creating the team that you spoke of, you know, putting all that together, because the reality is it can't just be one person, but one person's passion can really begin to fuel big work in your school. So, you know, we've done a lot of things. We we've obviously um, wrapped you know, parents and community in, we've really intentionally, um, kind of partnered, I would say with our student leaders at our school to, to, you know, give them the opportunity to have some ownership of the school culture. You know, I think a lot of times we think in terms of school culture, just being this like abstract thing, you know, and it, and it's up to the principal or the, you know, superintendent or headmaster or whoever that's sort of in charge, that's sort of the leader. Um, but the reality is we all are leaders, you know, uh, leadership is just influence. And as soon as you realize that whether you're a teacher or a student or a parent or a counselor or whatever, as soon as you realize you're a leader, you know that you can start to influence school culture. And so the book that I wrote, it really is for all educators. I, th I think a lot of the school culture literature out there really speaks only to someone with uh, the perceived title of leader, um, within education. And I really wanted a, a book that spoke to everybody because I, I think, you know, movements like this in some ways they are grassroots, right? They are, they are a bunch of people that are passionate about an idea moving it forward. So take us through exactly how you'll bringing this to the world you just spoke about the book there and of course you've got the podcast and the blogs and and the speaking tell us about how you're bringing this message to everybody that's wanting to understand it and to take part because i think it's one thing having that wonderful sounding environment like it sounds like within your school with that intentionality and that mindfulness but the gift to be able to share it with us all which is the the reason i love the whole podcasting world and what we're doing here is the fact that it is that spark. It is that lighting the fire. And that sounds like that's what you're doing with that ability to then fan it around the world. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point, realizing that not every school is, um, you know, happy and satisfied with what's happening with, with their school culture when they really stop and reflect on it. I think, you know, because I know that because so many people have reached out to us and, and said, you know, Hey, how can I, how can I improve this aspect of my culture? How can, you know, what advice do you have for this? And so having enough of those questions, you know, that, that sort of becoming a barrage for a few years, I knew, okay, we need to take what we're doing, create a framework around that so that people can understand it and then they can implement it. So yeah, I mean, obviously wrote the book that just came out a few weeks ago, which is amazing. Uh, my wife has another book that's coming out uh, later this year that's the follow-up. It's kind of the sequel, and it's, you know, taking this framework and then moving that directly into the classroom, you know, so what can teachers specifically do on a daily basis to impact school culture and climate. Um, and then, you know, we're doing all sorts of speaking and coaching and, you know, going in and actually working with schools and districts to not only evaluate um, how they're doing with school culture, but then give them like personalized, you know, feedback and ideas on how 
to amplify what they're already doing. So I think that's been super helpful for, you know, school leaders and whatnot to be able to, you know, get a fresh set of eyes. Cause sometimes we're in it so deep that, you know, we can't even see what else, you know, it could look like. Right. And, and so I think getting that fresh perspective that comes in and, you know, really does a deep dive in, in everything from how your, your school feels to how people are greeted when they walk in to what it feels like in a classroom, you know, all those little intricacies, um, really matter and play into the overall brand, you know, of a particular school. And do you find sometimes there's kind of like a middle ground? Because I can understand, like, say, a school that's really struggling or an incident that happens there where people just suddenly turn around and go, do you know what, we really need to do something different here. And there are some schools who just seem to have it down to a fine art and, and, and all of that kind of stuff is implemented and inherent in their environment from however many years back, depending on how that came about. But, I mean, certainly maybe it's here in the UK. There are lots of schools who were doing okay, lots of schools that would be deemed to doing well. I mean, we have sort of accountability with Ofsted here in the UK in terms of them having to sort of be able to do certain amounts of things related to certain parts of the of the curriculum. And sometimes I think it's difficult for them to do anything too different because they don't want to break what they have, which is okay, but maybe not what they really want. And is that something you've experienced as well? Yeah, I, I agree that there's a lot of schools that are like sitting at this like average, right? This, this level of okay. And my guess is, you know, they're sort of in survival mode. You know, it's like we're trying to maintain what we have and we can't imagine anything else. I always tell people that like social emotional learning and character development a lot of times get pushed to the side because we feel like that's another thing on our plate, right? We feel like uh, I don't have time for that. I've got to focus on math or I've got to mm. do my science here. The reality is social emotional learning and character development, those are the plate. Like those are the thing that everything else rests on. And as soon as people can come around to that mind shift of, um, okay, if I put the work in on this, what we're going to be able to do with math and science and history and everything else is going to be exponentially greater. I'll give you a, a little idea here. We know that the research says that if uh, students, you know, only focus on academics when they leave high school, they're only receiving 30 to 50% of what they need to be successful. So if we only focus on the, the academic content, then we're only hitting 30 to 50% of what those kids need. Like that, if that doesn't just scare you, that's, that is remarkable. And we know that they need these soft skills. That's what co companies are telling us. That's what colleges are telling us. They need to be prepared to really do much more than just the academics because what the companies and colleges are, you know, reinforcing is that they can teach those skills. They can teach those, but, but the soft skills, those are things that they have to learn at an early age. Right. And so if they get out into the workplace and they're, you know, 22, 23, 24, and now they're trying to, you know, go back and, and, you know, learn how to, you know, be a good listener and, and, you know, make uh, personal connections with people and, and, you know, all of those important skills along the way, then they're so far behind. They're so far behind. And so I, I think it starts by going in and, and really giving schools and educators a deep why as to, 
you know, what makes this work so crucial and how, if you put the time in on this work, you're going to see on the back end, huge, huge growth academically. I'm really glad you brought that up because that's something I believe in truly as well is that the sense of what we're doing is we're, we're allowing our children to learn and to grow and like you say to give them all those skills that they need and, and you're quite right you know it's what the world beyond schools are telling us they want as well so it seems amazing that it's not implemented because the system wants it to be there but it doesn't seem to be the case <laughs> like that um but that ability to to have all those things in there and then for the I always think that, you know, however you break down the academic structure or the curriculum is that a lot of it is essential to who people are and their talents and their understanding. But they're often tools that kind of grow out of the sorts of things that we're talking about in terms of gratitude and kindness and mindfulness and all of that. And you can put tags on all of those things, but they're about the essence of everybody. Like you say, the, the pupils in the school, but also the staff and the environment. And also, I kind of think that what's going to happen is, is that the more we realize that's the environment we want to be working in and we want to be studying in and we want to be living in, that's got to breathe the culture beyond our education world into our families and also into our workplaces. And that has to be a positive thing for society generally. Gosh, I, I love what you just said. I wish I could just put that on a bumper sticker and <laughs> like advertise that. I, I always say, you know, Content is really just a vehicle to teach kids what matters most, which is character, excellence, and community. And what you just spoke to as far as, you know, the deep societal and communal um, aspects of doing this work in schools, is that just speaks to my heart. I so agree with what you, what you just shared. So let's talk a little bit about your own school experience. What did you find particularly valuable? And with any teachers that you remember, you sort of gave us a bit of a, a history in terms of, of your personal background. So I guess that experience in terms of you know, the family feel of being a student in a school was obviously a big factor. Yeah, I think I really can. I, the answer is yes. There was definitely teachers that stand out. Um, Good and bad. I, and I think that's for everybody. But I, I pay attention and, and remember much more the, the ones that uh, I remember fondly. I've really like intentionally focused, I think, on those as I've gotten older. Um, and the ones that that, you know, I really will always remember in a fond way. A lot of it has to do with that personal connection. You know, those teachers that believed in me, right, that that saw hope in me, that that um, especially when I wasn't even able to see it yet. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes the, the best thing an educator can do is, uh, impart that, uh, that belief that, Hey, I see you, I see you, even though you're eight years old or 14 years old or whatever, I see something great in you. And so I remember certain teachers that, you know, would, would pull me aside and say, Hey, I think you should try this, or I think you should do this. Cause I think you'd be really good at it. And, and that could be anything from playing a musical instrument, you know, trying a sport to a, a club or whatever else. Um, the, those teachers that, that, you know, really brought about, um, the ability for me to take a risk, you know, in the classroom or even out of the classroom in some positive way. I think those teachers I, I really hang on to, um and, and just have a lot of great gratitude for you know yeah absolutely and I, I i love the sense that like you talked about them seeing you and i think 
that's really important because that's the essence of who you are at any part of your life and so you know like say when you're eight all you're seeing is your maybe older siblings or people in the next school or then people <laughs> go into college and people go into work there's always more to do in order to be better and bigger and all of that because we're just mm-hmm. growing up and I think as when you're very young children you kind of live in the moment and then it starts to change a little bit unless you have this culture of understanding and I think when you realize that the essence of you is with you all the time that then gives you hopefully a little bit of belief that at any time you have what you need that people are seeing you now and they're going to guide you and support you and then the world really is your oyster I think. Oh, I love that and and I think that's that's where real self-confidence right and self-esteem are built you know like in those moments where you know somebody else sees something in you and then you can start to really see it in yourself and I think that's what what certainly happened to me you know I, I look back and and I mean there was enough hurdles there that that I shouldn't have found success. But, but the amazing thing is it only takes, you know, one or two people to really along the journey, like buy into you and fully believe in you and like push you outside of your comfort zone in, in really special ways. And I think that it just, yeah, it just lights me up to think that maybe there's students that I can do that for. Right. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think what really inspires me about this conversation as a whole is the fact that we don't know who that person or collective group of people are that are going to support any given student. You know, hopefully you have a fantastic home life and you've got parents that can help and guide and support. But we know that's not the the case for everybody. It might be that you're in a fantastic school talking about the environment and the nurturing that we've been talking about, but maybe you're not. Maybe you've got a club or an environment outside of school that just gives you something that you haven't got anywhere else. And I think understanding that all of these things together can give you what you need as long as you understand the essence of what it's all about, which I think is this is what we've been talking about for this whole time. And I think that's what really gets me excited about sort of trying to produce these conversations, you know, or or your book or, or listening to a podcast in terms of you can find it these days. It's all out there. And it's just a mm-hmm. question of just focusing the mind and getting the chance to understand what that is and where you can get more of it. Well, that's so true. And you're, you're really speaking to, you know, serving the whole child, right? Seeing yeah. them beyond just beyond just what you see, even within your classroom or your school setting. I mean, they, they are a complete human being. And um, yeah, I totally agree. I, I love the idea that, um, you know, the content is out there. And I, I, I do feel like sometimes educators need to be reminded that, you know, it's okay to, to go seek out and make connections with work outside of your space. I I write a chapter in my book called educational cross training, which is the idea of, you know, I'm a counselor, but some of the best learning that I've ever done has been intentionally not as a counselor, like learning about leadership, learning about, you know, classroom instruction, learning about business ideas and pulling those into the work that I do. I mean, whatever it is, but I think, you know, this idea of, training, you know, or, or professional development outside of your little niche is so huge to growth. And you're right. There's podcasts, there's books, there's, you know, Twitter chats, there's so many different avenues now to learn and to grow. We just don't have any excuses anymore, do we? No, absolutely. And and it's certainly where, where I'm very passionate about um, here on Education on Fire. We're starting to to bring all these things into focus about the sorts of things that we can create to give children 
the opportunity to at least have a secure and friendly place where they can start to experience these things and it might come in the form of this podcast but it might come in the form of a book it might come in the form of a youtube video whatever it happens to be but you kind of get the essence of ah right yes we're in this place where all these people that we're able to talk about and you know all they're all they're all in my field you know because i'm having a conversation with you in the work that you're doing and speaking to somebody else and and like i said it's about that culture and that part of community which is now worldwide well, and I would be curious as a creator, right? You're creating a podcast platform. I'd be curious to know, cause I'm finding this to be the case. And when I talk to other creators, they're finding this to be the case. I find that creating content, whether it's a book or podcast or blog or whatever it is that you do out there, that actually makes you a better educator, you know, because now you have some idea of what it's like to be a student who's trying to create within your setting. You know what I mean? So I'd be curious, Mark, from your perspective, have you seen that? Like, you know, the idea of, okay, I'm going to put this podcast together. I'm going to get a professional development piece out of this where I'm learning from different people around the world. But then also just the actual creation of something now gives you some understanding and lens to to go back. And when you work with students and, and, you know, you're in that kind of setting, how is, does that impact you know what I mean? The work that you're doing? Yeah, abs- absolutely. I mean, I think there are two or three things that, that I always remember from coming about. Certainly, let, let's take the podcast specifically. I started listening to podcasts and then suddenly realized that it's something that, well, not that we could all do, but that, you know, the barrier to entry to doing a podcast is much lower than needing a, to, you know, a radio studio somewhere. You know, I'm, I'm yes. sat in my home, yes. you know, with my laptop and a microphone and to be honest you can even do it with just your phone there's all manner of things you could do you can get into as much detail about that as you want to but the fact is is that I was just wanting to share creative and inspiring things that I was seeing in schools even though it wasn't necessarily the topic of conversation that was going on I wanted to just change that dialogue and I wanted people to hear if in their school they weren't having a great experience they could hear a conversation like we're having now and go ah yes that's the reason I was doing it and that's what I wanted to do and we could share that message so that that was sort of my my reason for starting it was just literally a you know a kind of a let's do this because it's possible but from a learning point of view you know I didn't learn to podcast at school I'm a long way (laughs) out of that environment I didn't then go to podcast school um I then didn't know what to do except that someone had built a course and they said here are some of the basics that you need to do to do that and I studied that I took the course you know it was an email link to begin with and then it went to something else and something else and then all of a sudden I found there's this whole podcasting world of incredibly supportive people who just want to help you podcast you know they've got so much advice they want to give you so much support they want you to get your message out there and I just suddenly found like you can get a mentor to do it if you want to you basically have a very supportive community that you then can involve yourself in whether it's a Facebook group whether it's a membership whatever it happens to be and the skills that I learned let's go back to the sort of the school scenario you know can I write things which make sense you know in terms of show notes you know can I speak without saying um and ah every three seconds and and yeah I guess we're all getting better that the the more we get the chance to do it and also that sense of I'm really worried about this I'm really nervous about this and that 
am I actually going to do it? You know, the, the time from when I actually mm-hmm. was set up to create a podcast to the moment the first podcast went out was probably a few months more than it needed to be while I was kind of mm-hmm. umming and ahhing. And, and like you said, mm-hmm. when you understand that's the case, and that's the sort of experience that many pupils and students will be finding on a fairly regular basis because they're always learning something new and there's something else to be going on. I think you're absolutely right. It makes you a much better educator and feeling that fear factor or that unknown, I think, is a really positive thing. But I decided it was something I was really interested in and I wanted to go sort of all in. And that's and that's what I've done. And that's why I think starting with that quote that we did and sort of finishing with joy it was something mm-hmm. I wanted to do to give me joy and it really has and, and the world that's opened up because of it has been absolutely amazing and I just think that's the essence of everything and, and and it's why I'm loving having these conversations but it's also while I think you know while it's not something which you can mark and tick in terms of what grade I would get as a podcaster it's, <laughs> it's opened up my entire world to grow from here on in and I think I'm only at the start of the journey and, and that's really exciting and I think if we can make that what we're giving to every child then that really is an exciting prospect. Oh, I, I totally agree. Um, and, and something that really stuck out while you were talking is that you had to go back and learn to be a student. You know, you didn't have specialized training. You didn't know what you were doing when it came to this. And that's kind of what students are dealing with a lot. Right. And so that gives you such a good lens to then go back and work with your kids and go, okay, you know, here's, here's how, and, and, and I'm sure you have done this. Here's how I learned to do this thing that I was afraid of, but I wanted to do right? And, and this was my process. And I just think that's such a cool thing to model for students. It really is. And, and I think also the sense of there is no good and bad, there's no right and wrong. It's that kind of what is perceived failure, you know, is it not getting anyone to listen? Is it not being able to put anything together or get anything out? <laughs> and, 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 you know, understanding all of those mind things, but then getting across that and then being able to really take that forward. Mark, have you have you read a book called Infinite Game by Simon Sinek? I haven't read it, but I am aware of it. Oh my gosh, you you need to read that because what you're saying totally speaks to that. And it you know, education really is an infinite game. And and a lot of times you know, we take these little benchmarks, right? These little grade marks and grade levels and things like that to try to make it a very finite game. But the reality is what what you just said, you know, you can't grade yourself or decide whether you're a good podcaster or whatever after a month or a week or a year. Like this is a long-term game you're playing, right? You're trying to become the best, you know, educational podcaster you can. And so it really is just about this like incremental improvement as you go. And uh, yeah, I, that's there's there's my book recommendation for you. <laughs> Fantastic! You, yeah. <laughs> that was absolutely brilliant, and, and and I love that when it just comes up in in such a natural way. It's it, it's absolutely perfect, and uh, yeah, really love that. Um, what would you say was the best piece of advice you've ever been given, and can you remember who gave it to you? I would say, you know, my first year as a counselor in education, um, I had a vice principal um, that noticed I was putting in some, you know, long hours and whatnot. And, um, he gave me two pieces of advice. He said, you know, number one, you know, you need to make sure you're taking care of yourself. You know, the work is still going to be there tomorrow. So, you know, at a certain point you need to give yourself grace and, you know, acceptance that, you know, you're done for the day. 
And so that kind of gave me that freedom to, you know, to say, okay, you know, there's a certain point where I know I need to call it a day sort of thing. But I would say the the advice along the lines that he also gave me a little bit later that really stood out a lot was, you know, finding gratitude um, every day with things that are happening, you know, in your job. And so he, he actually, one of the things he told me to do was get a file folder and just start putting these positive anecdotes and stories and emails and just little things that pop up, you know, cards, thank yous, whatever it is you get, um, just start putting them in a file and just keep that. And then when you're having a really hard day, cause there's going to be really hard days in, in all work, but especially in education, there's, there's times where we don't feel like we're making a difference or, you know, reaching everybody that we want to go back and look through that file folder. And, you know, that, that kind of is that, that reminder of, of, you know, being able to find the gratitude and, and, uh, you know, those exceptional moments. And so I think that that little thing has now kind of rolled into, you know, each morning I start my day actually writing a little bit, um, just for myself. It's not something I put out into the world, but it's just a little bit, uh, in a journal. It's all about gratitude. So what am I grateful for that day? And maybe even the the previous day. Um, and it just kind of, I don't know, it it realigns me and, and keeps me focused on that big idea of joy. I really, really like that. And, and also it's, it's indisputable, isn't it? Because every time you open that up, it's like, the, all this has happened all of this is in my experience and whatever my brain is computing at the moment this is reality and I've taken the time to make a note of it and and that just has to change how you feel in that that moment immediately absolutely well like because like you said we don't know everybody that we've impacted right I mean there's there's people all over the place that you'll impact that you'll never know and and that's just that's the nature of it right we we won't know everyone but when you get those opportunities and you realize, okay, this was a positive moment or this was a, a, a cool thing, being able to reflect on those like consistently, man, that, that just, that can change your whole perspective and outlook. Yeah. And just to finish off, what advice would you give your younger self? And, and always caveat this with the fact that I know that as a younger person, we might not take that on board and looking at it in hindsight as an adult um, is, is an interesting perspective. But, but even so, what, what advice would you give your younger self? Take more risks. A hundred percent. I would take more risks. You know, it really speaks to what you just said about the podcast. Um, I, I think, I, I think education in general um, struggles to take risks at school and in the classroom. I think a lot of times we, we try to play it safe and I think I did that even as a kid. I think I, I was always trying to mitigate risk. And what I've realized is uh, the biggest successes that I've ever had are when I took risk. You know, I, I announced um, to the world that I was starting a podcast before I even knew what a podcast really was. I mean, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I said, um, you know, several years before, hey, I'm going to write a book about school culture. And I didn't have a publisher. I didn't have an outline. I didn't have nothing. But I think sometimes when we just put it out into the world and into the space, sometimes, you know, taking that risk really can be all the difference. So I would have definitely told myself, take more risks. 
And I think there is very much, like you said, that culture of kind of, I can't get it wrong. I can't ask too many questions. I can't, if I say something, it means I've got to do it. Um, and I think, like I said, putting it out there, just doing it, you're here to be all of you. And if it's in your yes. psyche, if it's in your awareness and you feel it, then do it and certainly put it out there. I love that. That's great advice. So let's finish off. Tell us exactly where we can find out more about the book and the podcast and all the fantastic work that you're doing. Yeah. So the book is called Award-Winning Culture. It's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Um, and it's also on our website, which is maybe the best way to connect with me. Our website is awardwinningculture.com. Um, and so all the information about speaking and coaching and stuff are on there. Uh, we've got a blog and podcast on there as well. Um, and then I'm very active on Twitter and Instagram and my handle is Hans N Apple and you spell Apple weird. It's A P P E L. Um, but I'm super active on there. I love connecting with educators and, and people that really want to elevate, uh, their, you know, sphere of influence. I love that. And we'll have links to all of these things on the show notes on this particular podcast episode. So th- just make sure if, if you think grab any of that just go to educationonfire.com and put hans apple in the search bar and all of that will pop up so hans um thank you so much for your time today it's been a fantastically interesting and inspiring conversation and and hopefully we'll get a chance to to do it again and really be able to impact so many more people around the world absolutely thanks for having me on I'd like to thank the national association for primary education for their continued support and sponsorship of this show Nape are currently supporting teachers by producing fortnightly videos which cover themes like art, school trips and literacy. Also they are giving away e-copies of their professionally produced journal Primary First. To find out more about the association please go to nape.org.uk That's N-A-P-E Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.